Auntie's Three Stories. Welcome to the Representing Her podcast. My name is Esther and I'm your host. Stories give us an opportunity to learn from another person's experience. It can help shape, strengthen or challenge our opinions and values. Tune in each week to hear how my amazing friends and connections have navigated their journeys thus far. Let's explore those big and small questions together that we as young people have when it comes to our careers, our financial wellness and our personal wellness. As we go exploring, I am super excited for us to find those practical tools and answers together. So grab a drink, get comfortable and settle in. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Representing Her podcast. I'm here this morning with my friend, Sarah. Sarah and I work together, and I'm so pleased that she's decided to wake up really early in the morning, it's about 7 (laughs) a.m., to have this conversation with me. So Sarah, I'm really happy to have you here. Do you want to just say a quick introduction of who you are and where you're from? Yeah, thanks, Esther. Um, I think we're we both agreed we're quite early birds, so I think this works. Super happy to be here today um, and be on your podcast. Uh, yeah, so my name is Sarah. I live in London, and as Esther said, uh, we work together, so that's how we met. Um, and I've been living in London for, I think, five and a half years now, so it's been a while. <laughs> um, but I'm originally from Berlin in Germany, so that's where I grew up. Um, actually was born in a smaller town in the south of Germany, but then when I was eight years old, I moved to Berlin. So basically grew up there, went to university there as well, and um, yeah, kind of moved over to London five years ago, as I said. Nice. Thank you for that really brief introduction. As you know, the main question of the podcast that I love to start with is what are you grateful for this week or what's made you happy this week? So I think since we've got all the weird lockdown rules and work from home and everything at the moment, we actually um, have been back in the office since this week. Um, and I've been incredibly grateful for that because I noticed how much I miss my colleagues, how much I miss just grabbing a coffee with people. And how happy that makes me. And um, maybe we'll get to that, but I'm naturally just a very introverted person. So having that extra kick to just <laughs> really helps me and makes me realize how much I missed it. Oh, nice. And just to say a little bit more about Sarah, I feel like that's where we connected because I would say I'm quite introverted as well, but kind of both. So I feel that we connected on that basis. I remember when you started, I was just so happy to have another girl on the team. And yeah, it's just been amazing working together. Sarah's just one of the nice, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen you be horrible to anyone ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's always me causing all the mischief. I can just give it back because I remember, and I always say this, but um, I remember the first couple of coffee catch ups and the one with you. I remember distinctly just being so warm and welcoming. I remember that. It's been, yeah, and it's been a good journey ever since. Yeah, no, definitely. And we like to do our dinner dates and we've got a brunch date coming up that I can't wait for. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll throw the question back to myself. What am I grateful for this week? So 
as Sarah said, we are back to the office this week. I'm someone who absolutely loved working from home. You couldn't tell me otherwise. I was loving it. I was loving not being able to commute in the morning because I have to get about three trains to work. Um, but I've just actually come back from Nigeria, which I'm so grateful for. I had the most fabulous month away. It wasn't supposed to be a month, but somehow <laughs> turned into a month with some of my girlfriends. And I'm so, so grateful. Had such a life changing experience out there. I am, however, looking forward to going back into the office because I feel as I was always out and about in Nigeria coming back to working from home because I am quarantining because I did travel um it just feels a bit different I do want to be around people so I can't wait to get back into the office so Sarah I'm really excited to have this conversation because we're going to be talking about how people become what they become and I love this title of course Sarah's brilliant mind came up with it I'm not going to take credit for that So why don't I pass it to you? Because I really just want to understand your upbringing all the way from Germany and how you found yourself into where you are now. Um, I know we we discuss really important things such as growth. So I would really love to get into that with you. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I mean, I can start from the beginning if you want, like just how was my upbringing and kind of give you some snippets of how I think and reflected at the time and then maybe today. Um, So as I said, I grew up or I was born in like a small town in Germany, in the south of Germany. And I moved uh, at the age of eight to Berlin. So obviously a big city. And um, if anyone's been to Berlin, it's uh, (laughs) quite... I haven't. I I hope to go one day. Yeah, it's, it's great. And it's actually changing quite a bit. So I guess it's like in a couple of years times time, it'll be very different from what it used to be. But yeah, it's a big, vibrant city. Um, and I think what always kind of became very clear to me early on is that um, I not was different, but I was like having a different background than many of my friends, being that my mom's from Germany and my dad's actually from the U.S. Mm. <laughs> so I think that really defined me uh, without knowing it consciously um yeah I find that really interesting because the first time when you introduce yourself when we met I just knew you as being German right and Mm then you were talking about filing U.S. taxes and I was just like girl what's going on and then you sort of explained that your dad's from the states which causes a lot of I'm sure paperwork for you when it comes to filing taxes and stuff and I don't really understand why it needs to work that way you've never lived in the U.S. have you Mm -mm. so it's just additional paperwork for you having to work in the U.K. but file taxes in the U.S. Which I think a lot of people don't like, don't really understand that you have to do that if you're a US citizen. Yeah, I think so. Because, yeah, as you said, if you've not had the experience of living in the US, probably not what you think about. Um, yeah, for me, it was always like, it kind of, it, when I was growing up in Germany, it actually made me feel more American. So I always felt like I was, or not the taxes thing, but like, <laughs> <laughs> That I was, um, that my dad was from the U.S. I always, mm-hmm. like, I had that cultural background and 
everything US related. I remember I've got a sister and we always would watch um, American movies. And, and when we visited my dad, we would kind of shop at the stores and try to like be as American as we could. <laughs> so oh, nice. So did your dad live in the States? So he lived in Germany, actually. So my parents are not together. So we would always, my sister and I would visit him during the holidays, basically every holiday. So we would travel to the south of Germany where he's living from Berlin, spend the holiday. And where did you, where did you prefer? Did you prefer staying in Berlin, which is this, you've described as being a big vibrant city, or did you prefer sort of the south of Germany, which I just assume is a bit quieter? Um, Yeah, it is a bit quieter, at least the places where I grew up in. Um, And I think that when I was younger, I always wanted to move back. Because I felt oh, that's where my family's from, my grandma, my aunts, like everyone I know, and my dad. Um, but then as I grew older, and especially after having spent some time abroad, I was certain that I could not live at least now and at this stage of my life in a small town. Um, so I was always kind of looking to live in cities because that's what I really felt comfortable with because being surrounded by so many different people from different backgrounds that's what really kind of yeah I really enjoyed so I think that's with when I became older it was like clear to me yeah I'm probably not going to move back (laughs) (laughs) I love that and for young people who are listening who are perhaps from a small town and sometimes being in a larger city is so far from what they might be thinking about I think you're a perfect example of someone who's grown up in a small town obviously you moved to Berlin but now you're now in London so that how did that whole process Mm -hmm. happen for you and who did you meet along the way that you thought I could possibly move to London what brought you to London yeah Um, I think those are like making that decision and then moving have been one of the most, I would say, defining years for me. It basically all started with um, me making the decision to go abroad for my studies. So just as a way of a bit of background. So I um, yeah, did my high school in Berlin and then I also decided to go to university in Berlin and study politics and English literature. So those were my kind of two subjects I chose. And I basically chose them because I, and this sounds a bit cheesy, but I was always interested in learning how people make decisions. Mm. I wanted to and thought that through politics, it's kind of a segue into how to kind of make decisions better and make life better for people. And literature, it's a little bit the approach of having being or being explained why certain things are interconnected and people make decisions so it's like the descriptive and the the influencing Mm -hmm. so for me that was like worked well together and um was also like something I was always interested in um so the social sciences and literature nice I did and um yeah my goal was to actually become a diplomat so speaking of living abroad, that would have been... Wow, Sarah, of all the years we've spent together, you forgot this really important information. <laughs> you forgot to mention this. Yeah, I think it's like, it was actually wasn't even a brief time where I thought about becoming a diplomat. It was kind of 
it actually really influenced also my decision to study English. And, um, nice. and for people who are listening who might not know what a diplomat is, do you want to give a brief explanation? Yeah, I hope I do it justice because <laughs> um, it was also, to be fair, a little bit kind of fill my imagination of what it would be like, of course. But I think the essence of it is you work for a government. Usually I would, in my case, probably work for the German government. Um, and I would be placed in different um, consulates, for example, in different areas of the world. So consulates, maybe I can also explain, it's just um, the representation of a country in a different country. So, for example, I would work in the German consulate or German embassy in the UK. So kind of dealing with, um, and there's different positions, but dealing with um, essentially the diplomatic and the relations of your own country with the other country, very broadly speaking. Is that? Yes, that, that's perfect. I, I mean, it's a better explanation than if I ever tried. It's a very dynamic and exciting exciting role to be a diplomat yeah and you would move around a lot like I think like they are stationed or kind of put into a country for five to seven max years at least that's back then when I looked into it so it's as you say it's super dynamic um and it's I think what always also you have to consider is your partner is probably going to be very flexible (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's an exciting job, but I guess also quite a challenging one. Yeah. You said you studied in the UK and I imagine that was your university education. So how was that for you as a German international student coming to study in the UK? What university did you go to and how did you find the shift in culture when you came over? Yeah, that's a really good question, because I think my year abroad is actually has got a lot of like um, influence over the title, basically becoming who I am, or I didn't, I can't even remember what I called it. <laughs> How people become who they are, Sarah. <laughs> my own title slipped my mind. Um, yeah, so so kind of um, how it works is through the Erasmus program is where I looked into studying abroad, which is a program by the European Union that you can study abroad for either half a year or a year. Um, and it's um, usually the university has different connections with different universities in different places. It's like a year before you want to go, you apply, and then you can kind of spend that time abroad um, afterwards. And I think for me, I was always like, oh, I'm definitely going to spend a year abroad. I'm studying English. So it made sense to pick an English speaking country of some sort. And yeah, given my U.S. background, I was kind of always leaning towards the U.S. Mm. And this is a funny story, actually. So before I started my university course, I was under the impression that when I signed up for English literature, it's going to be American and British literature. And I started and it turned out just to be British literature and not American. And yeah, surprise. And at that point, I had no connection to the UK. So I was like, I didn't plan to ever live there or 
even study oh, there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like I always looked toward the US. Um, yeah, because it was a natural choice. So when I started, yeah, just studying English literature, I was like, okay, then let's get on with Fine, it. Fine, I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay then. Um, and then they just had more options or maybe even exclusively options in the UK. So there wasn't really a chance to go to the US. So I was like, okay, let's look at some UK universities. Um, and I had spent like a holiday with my mom a couple of years before that um, in Scotland. So I was looking at some of the Scottish universities that they had on offer. And I saw the University of Edinburgh, which I remember I visited for a day with my mom and fell in love with. The city is amazing. And I think to this day, it's my favorite city in the world. I've heard such great things about Edinburgh. And we've got a really good friend at work, Blair, and he's always saying how lovely it is. So that's definitely on my list to visit when it's warm, though. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you got to pick that one day where it's a bit warm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um but it is it is a gorgeous city and what's your favorite thing about Edinburgh oh it's such a difficult question we gotta pick one um I think the whole atmosphere of the city because to me it's like the perfect like representation of a city being it has a hill in the middle of the city I mean Probably not many cities have that. So like a proper hill you can climb up. It's got a castle. It's got a university. But it also has um, quite a vibrant like financial sector. And just like you feel the energy of the Mm -hmm. spirit of the city. So So it's almost not boring at the same time. Definitely. And then, of course, it's like in Scotland. So you're in an hour you're in the highlands so it's got everything that you can think of that makes the city great in my opinion nice actually just speak a little bit more about the experience that you had at university was it difficult coming in as you know an international student coming from another country because you've explained that you only spent a year is that correct in the UK um how was that for you how was that experience yeah um yeah this is actually a really good question because it was quite difficult. So when I studied in Berlin, obviously I grew up there. So I had my group of friends um, at home from high school. So we knew each other for many years. And I actually, even though I was in university and met some new people, I did hang out a lot with my friends from high school still. Um, And in Berlin, although it's an international city, still the people on my course were either from Germany or close by, or from Berlin themselves. So it was kind of not very international, at least I perceived it that way, and the people I spent time with. Um, Mm. Going to Edinburgh was a completely different experience, and I always imagined, oh, I'm such an international person, I'm like from (laughs) Germany, and then I like arrived there, and people were like, oh yeah, I moved around since I was two years old. (laughs) countries I done my IB course so it's like this special international degree that you get after high school and I was completely overwhelmed I was like I thought I'm an international person but next level so I was quite intimidated 
um, at the beginning, like really intimidated by all these people that had these amazing backgrounds and studied there full time. So it's obviously a university that's quite difficult to get into. So I kind of always felt a little bit less than because they were, they all had such great like stories to tell. I felt. Thank you for being really transparent. And I've always had a uh, respect for international students and when you think about university I mean I was getting into getting ready at 17 to go to university when I just turned 18 so people who at that age sort of pick up and relocate that's huge so I definitely have such a respect for you and others who did that because it must not have been easy whilst I was literally an hour from London and I just thought I was <laughs> living the university life. Um, so no, th- thanks for that. And so how did studying over there bring you to London? And what, what was the defining factor for you to say London is the place? Because it could have literally been anywhere. I know you talked about your course being more British than American, but you, still you did have a choice of choosing anywhere in the world. If I may, like, there's one thing I wanted to just highlight because I think it could be interesting for people. Um, During my university and kind of on the back of what I said that I always felt a little bit out of place. Um, So I try to fit in. (laughs) I think that's also maybe important to say because I think you always try to fit into your environment to a certain extent because you see like what other people are doing. But I think there's also such a great benefit of being surrounded by people that may have completely different backgrounds and aspirations than you, because it opens up your mind to more possibilities. And that's what I felt when I came to Edinburgh, because people had, and I also actually was not only spending time with people on my course, um, but people from different courses. Because one thing that I love about uh, British universities they do a lot of societies right I don't know yeah oh yeah definitely I'm like society queen oh my goodness <laughs> so random societies sometimes at least in Edinburgh they had like a cheese society or wine society or <laughs> you literally you can start a society for anything I think in my university a group of people who like to bake just started a baking society randomly and you pitch it to university and they literally give you money to start the society <laughs> yep <laughs> Oh my God. So that's very different because in Germany, we don't really have that. And, and that's why I felt I definitely wanted to get involved to just meet people and be surrounded by people who have same interests, but may not, you know, study the same thing than I do. And so I early on uh, joined uh, a society called ISAC. It's like um, an acronym. I don't even know what it stands for. Basically, <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> it's a really complex acronym. <laughs> we got to look that one up. Um, it, what they do, though, is they organize um, like experiences abroad for students. So you go during your semester break um, or during your kind of summer holiday, you go and um, spend some time abroad and usually work in like some sort of social project um, somewhere else for a couple of weeks. And what we did is basically line up that thing and promote it, but then also support people and actually getting everything organized and kind of really resonated with me because I was coming into like a different country and having that experience. And 
although it was slightly different, I kind of thought that was such a good thing for people to experience spending time abroad. So got involved there and met people from different, very different backgrounds there. So some were studying economics, some were studying computer science, some were studying biology, like completely different. And they all came from different countries. So from uh, Czech Republic, Malaysia, Canada, and like so international and so, yeah, so different also in terms of um, what they were like. So I really enjoyed spending time with them. And to, to my earlier point, I think that opened a lot of the ways I thought differently about the world. And I actually, it allowed me to say, hey, there are so many things you can achieve and you've got, it basically lifted my goals. As earlier, I was like, oh, I think I want to maybe, I mean, diplomat at that point, I didn't want to become anymore, but I didn't really know what I wanted to be and what kind of I wanted to be involved. But spending time with these people just gave me, yeah, a host of new ideas. And that was really incredible. So I think that definitely defined a lot of what I did afterwards. Sarah, you mentioned something um, that really resonated with me, which was coming over to the UK to study allowed you to think more globally. And I think that's something that over the past three years working in asset management has really opened my eyes to. So rather than thinking, what can I do in a specific country or maybe you're trying to create a solution perhaps for something specific, it's really important to think globally rather than just cities and towns around you. So just moving on from your thinking of, I don't really have a clue of what I want to do at the moment because you said becoming a diplomat was now out of the question. Why did you kick that off? (laughs) Why was that kind of crossed out on your list? I think to be brutally honest, it was a really long way because I mean if you look at how at least in Germany the way of applying and then becoming a diplomat it's firstly it's like after you study you have to do like this whole educational thing for a couple of years again and then it is also incredibly difficult to get in so I don't think they take many people and they also have <laughs> some crazy like um what's the word like some crazy entry requirements that you have to fulfill and it's a lot of applicants so I was a little bit like uh maybe in the future if it's still maybe not now <laughs> maybe You're like not. me <laughs> and I really wanted to get into I actually really wanted to to really either start working or do something that I could immediately and enjoy and it sounds like I'm not managing delayed gratification very well but <laughs> I, was, um, I was just ready to do something that was passionate mm. that just seemed to delay a lot of things and I also felt at the time if it's really something I feel strongly about I can still pick that up at some point um, in the future so it was um it was a little bit something that I kind of parked on the side because there was other things that I was interested in Yeah. And I, why that's so important is I think everyone or most people that I've met, um, perhaps 
I've always wanted to do something good, but ended up somewhere else. And it's completely fine. It's okay to say what you're doing now isn't what you woke up when you were two years old. That's not how it works. You know, life changes, your experience changes. So sometimes your mind can change, right? And it's completely fine. And guess what? If you decide to change your mind in the future, that's also completely fine. So I I, I really love that for you. And um, so how did you then decide that you did want to work in investment management? Yeah. Um, so I guess there's a couple of steps in between for me that came before because it is kind of an, a windy road for me or has been a windy road to investment management. I definitely at that point wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be in investment management. I don't even think I knew what it was really. <laughs> so um, I think at that point, um, so after my year abroad, and I will mention that um, because I think it's such an important part that people that you surround yourself with really define who you are. So I will mention this. Um, I met this girl um, at university and we became very, very close friends. And we are still friends. So she's actually living in London as well. So it happened, like it turned out to be perfect that at some point we ended up. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So she's really great. And um, through her um, and through our conversations, we learned a lot about ourselves and just kind of setting goals. So that's a big thing that we actually still do annually, setting goals. And we can talk about that a bit more if you like later. But that's basically where. I got a lot of my ideas of what I wanted to do next from just sitting with her and exploring what we wanted to do. So after I came back, um, I had one more year to complete at university to finish my course. And I was super keen to get involved in something, not a society, but to either work on the side or get some experience because I hadn't done any internships. And (laughs) so when I was at Edinburgh University, that was another thing where I was like, oh my God, I need to catch up. Like everyone's done internships, zero. Mm. So I rushed back and felt like, and I think I applied to like 20 spots and got a couple. And it was like, I need to do multiple internships at the same time. (laughs) So I was like, just need to like catch up. Um, But I actually got um, by kind of connection and a little bit of luck. Um, which I think is important to mention because not everything happens because you put the work in. It's so much luck as well. Um, I got a spot at um, a, a national or like an MP, so a member of parliament in the national parliament of Germany. Nice. And, yeah, I was super stoked. I was like, this is amazing. This is, I can get real life experience in politics and shaping um, policies. So that's what I imagined to be. And so it, it was, it started off as an internship and then they kept me on as like a working student, it's called. So it's part mm-hmm. of your studies and that was a really great experience. So I'm really glad I got that internship and then kind of work student experience because it actually got me away from politics. <laughs> <laughs> really? So yeah, it showed me that I definitely didn't want to be politician you know in the truth I guess that's what internships are for they either show you whether you love or really just don't want to go close to specific sector so yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and it is to to my point earlier with 
what's a diplomat that's why I always caveat it is like you sometimes have this image of what things are and then mm. you're doing them and then you're like wait a minute this is totally different like okay do I have an example it's like I work in I don't know some specific field but what I'm actually doing is filling out excel spreadsheets all day you know like mm-hmm. our image of what it is definitely it's different sometimes absolutely yeah so yeah I guess that um that internship was still a really amazing experience so it's um it's taught me a lot of things of how to interact with people because um if I can go into it a little bit more what I was doing and um, mm-hmm. interesting but so we um, so I was working with that politician and in Germany, if you're part of the government as a politician, um, you uh, are, you're kind of connected to different um, working groups as well. So she was in the working group uh, working on healthcare um, issues. So she was right. on healthcare of any sort. And at that time, and actually still healthcare, there's a large shortage of healthcare workers, as I imagine in many countries, so Germany as well. And um, we were kind of organizing a lot of, uh, I would say, community conversations. So in her district or in her um, council, I guess. Yeah, that's what we call it in the UK. I'm not sure what it is that we call it in Germany as well. Um, Yeah, I guess electoral council. I I don't actually know. (laughs) translation in like area let's keep how do you say in german and Wahlkreis. Wahlkreis. okay literal translation is election circle nice okay we'll just yeah. stick with cancel for the purposes of this podcast yeah, let's, let's yeah. Go with cancel. <laughs> sounds accurate enough so um in her council we organized yeah community sessions um where people could just ask questions they could interact with people that had knowledge about the topic um and another like organizing those was part of my work and the other part was um, writing up um, different articles on the subject and I actually realized that doing some sort of analyses gathering information writing these articles that really I enjoyed that part Mm. I also enjoyed working with people but I always felt that you had these like evenings where you talked and then nothing happened it it always felt like there's no real impact that comes from it and even though there's a lot of great ideas there's always this compromise you have to find at the end and it's like it falls so short of what needs to be done and it kind of always never left left me very satisfied oh okay political process and I think the other big part for me was that I realized I felt people with a lot of knowledge of the actual subject matter should be making a lot of the decisions because mm. I know like the intricacies of the kind of areas that they were talking about. And yeah, having studied politics in English, I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I need some experience in the industry. And that yeah. very clear to me as I was doing the internship but yeah as I said it was still a great experience um but it became clear to me that I actually wanted to work um in the industry a bit more thank you for touching on that and so when you then graduated 
did you decide immediately to move back to the UK or what happened after that? Yeah. Um, so I graduated in summer 2016. So, oh my God, this is so long ago. <laughs> oh, don't even mention it, honestly. <laughs> I'm thinking about my final year of high school, which is now 10 years ago. Crazy. Wow. I know. A friend of mine literally just posted a prom picture of us and she was like, oh, this was 10 years ago. And I went, oh my goodness. Like we were literally 16, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, we kind of, yeah, just looked to be, yeah, you do, you do still have a baby face, Sarah. (laughs) But I I did grow out of it a little bit. I remember a tiny bit. Esther, like we were, I was talking with some friends and we, I always, like when I was 16, people told me I looked like 12 years old and I was always so upset because I was like, obviously I'm 16. And now I'm looking at the pictures and I'm like, I could even be 11. Like, <laughs> so young. I think that favors you as you grow older though. So don't worry, girl. <laughs> yeah wow. but it's so crazy how time waits for no one so you just, mm-hmm. just gotta get, get on with it yeah. yeah I mean that's actually a really good segue into one thing that is maybe also interesting to mention because at the time when I was finishing my degree I actually took one year longer than my degree officially was because I took that year abroad and I felt I'm like behind like the others are already working they're already doing loads of things and I felt like on I need to get things done I need to rush and I think now looking back I had all the time in the world and still we do and I think that's one misconception that at the time you always feel like you have to play catch up because time is running out especially I felt that way when I was younger and I felt I always had to know exactly where I wanted to end up um, and rush into it and do like make all the right decisions to get there so that's definitely a big learning um, for me. That's incredible that you say that because I think that this is something young people struggle with a lot. The concept that you have to spend, depending on what countries you're in, but in the UK, you have to spend a specific amount of time in secondary school and then do your sixth form and go straight to university. Sometimes it so happens that some people may need to repeat a year because maybe they didn't get good enough grades to go into the um, to study the subject that they want to and and just various things there might be you know other things that affect people from the outside whether it be family whether it be health where they start to feel anxious that I'm no longer on the same tier as my peers so and I always say to people that it really doesn't matter like the concept of time is yours to own like you don't have to go because the government has says secondary school is five years or seven years that you have to definitely stick with that life is different for everyone and you know just going back to a country like Nigeria for example if they don't have that set well they do but like in in the sense that if you're doing better they just kind of like upgrade you so you can skip like two classes so it's different yeah Thank you, Sarah, for mentioning that. And I think this is a perfect time to just go into how coming into investment management has shaped you, how you've adapted into the role and what's made you feel that you're perfect for this role or that you want to try it out. So do you want to just talk about 
how you came into that and how you're finding it so far. Yeah, very happy to do that. Um, so it kind of is a little bit like a journey again, because as you mentioned or you asked earlier how I then ended up in London. So I actually um, met my partner in Berlin. So we very randomly met. And um, <laughs> it's a very um, a funny story for um, maybe another day as well. Um, very random. That's all I can say. And um, he's he's lived in London at the time already. And I was looking to move back to the UK and had my eyes set on Edinburgh, of course, uh, but was open to other places. And then um, since he was living in London and then we had been dating for a while um, and after finishing my degree, I was like, actually, London isn't too bad. <laughs> Quite a good All city. of a sudden, London's not too bad. Like completely <laughs> forgot about Edinburgh. Um, yeah. So that's basically how I made my decision to move to London. And it was, it was like crazy because even though I've done my year abroad, um, so many people were telling me, oh, can you even just move to London? Like, have you organized everything? Are you going to find a job? Like, there was so many voices from outside telling me, like, you can't do it. And um, I kind of, that was one of the hardest things, just blocking them out and just mm -hmm. doing it and not caring about what other people thought. So once I had done that and managed to move and settle and everything, that was such a big thing for me because I was like always relying on other people also telling me what's what I can do and what I can't do. And then just saying, I know I can do this and then doing it and it worked out. Um, but yeah, so that was a big, big thing. And I actually applied to different jobs so this is getting on to kind of how I got into the industry but I applied to different policy think tanks so it was initially again not very related to finance at all but more politics related but not in the actual kind of political parliament like I've done before but more policy think tanks However, it was very difficult to get into that and even get an interview. And I was very discouraged because I was like, I worked with a politician. I studied politics. I studied abroad. Like, what do they want? What do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Like, what do the other candidates have? Like, I've got this amazing resume. So I was like, very discouraged by that because... I was like, oh, well, if I can't even make it in the area where I studied and have experience, how am I going to do well in other areas? Because at that time, I was thinking a little bit, well, the analytical side really intrigues me, but not so much on the politics side. So I was like, what else is there? And I always felt that politics is so much shaped by financial decisions and economic decisions that people make in various scenarios. So I was starting to get a little bit more interested into that area. And also because I had met at university, a lot of people who studied economics and it always seemed super interesting what they had to say. So I also applied apart from these policy jobs, like market research and the odd, like <laughs> really random finance job. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> That's I think a lot of us can say when we were coming from university and applying for roles, some of the names is like, qualitative research assistant I'm like what <laughs> what is that but you apply anyways 
but don't worry girl we've all been there <laughs> we're like I mean analyst this analyst that is like yeah, yeah. I know what you've been doing they need to break the names down because students don't understand these things yeah exactly so yeah so you know where I'm coming from and this was like just randomly applying and I still hadn't gotten a job or an offer when I moved and that was like Ooh, I was so nervous because I was like, now I'm in this new country and like my funds are running out. Like I have to find a job. Like I was super stressed. And I actually then after I moved, the interview started coming in. So I felt it's a thing of being in the country to actually get invited to, to things. Mm-hmm. Experience. So I got a couple of interviews and then one interview I got was with a market research company that was working in the financial sector. So they were doing market research. um, So various studies with um, uh, like different actors in the industry. And then they were feeding that information back um, for different reasons um, to financial institutions. This is like super broad, like description of what it was. (laughs) What I ended up doing just to put some meat on the bone, but um, I was working with and preparing and analyzing insights from uh, conversations with um with companies so a company is in usually advised if it's a big company by different banks who give them funding who manage their cash flow for them and who do, do different things for them and we were interviewing them on their relationship with their banks on on their needs and financial needs and everything so got that information and feeding it back to the various banks and then banks will make decisions on their kind of where do we want to grow do we want to work with these companies in these areas so it's kind of insights for them to make decisions for them so I was that link well and um, that analytical part was amazing and that was also a relatively small team that I interviewed with when I was offered the job at the end um and the team was also very international so my boss was german (laughs) (laughs) Um, but then we had a french person an italian person and some british people americans and it was so nice to be in that international environment again and that was my first step into finance broadly speaking nice and roughly how long did you spend there yeah, so I spent three years working with them and had some really great opportunities through working there. So um, I I learned just so many things, just also just very task-based and detailed things. So I had some great people that trained me, um, which now looking back, I'm so grateful that they spent the time um, to really go and answer all my silly questions because there were many <laughs> in the beginning so it was super helpful um, and I got a broader understanding of what I enjoy exactly about the job so the analytical part I still really love but I also realized that I actually love the conversations with people too so when we would go to banks and present the results just understanding what their needs were and how we could help them and what their goals were. So exploring that and being open to that really, I found fascinating. Um, But I felt it was still so removed from the actual 
it arrives at people's doorstep kind of thing. So what I mean by that is, I mean, this is so like high levels, like companies and their banks. This is like, has nothing to do with our real life. And it felt like I was a little link in that huge connection and it didn't make a huge impact. Um, and so I was already kind of a little bit itching to get closer mm. to how I could really make an impact and see how decisions shape. Like it, It's funny you use that word <laughs> impact because when you were trying to describe it, I my next question was, did you feel like you wanted to make more of an impact? <laughs> because I think as young people in this generation, I think that what what I do love about us is that everyone's trying to see how they can make positive impacts to uh, whatever field they're in or where they can, which is how the world does develop, right? So what did you then decide to do following your findings that, you know, I, I may be able to make more of an impact somewhere else? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that, yeah, I thought about a lot. And the road to there was that apart from learning on the job and kind of being um, trained by people around me and learning about the industry through just doing it, I actually also decided to start further education because, yeah, as I explained, um, backgrounds uh, doing politics in English, I felt I needed more like substance of the actual industry, especially if I wanted to stay in more the analytical part as well. So I started to study or explore what things you could do um, while you're working. And I actually decided to start the uh, CFA study. I think what, what definitely always kept me going is that I do have grit. Like if I set my mind to something. You will do it. Oh, yeah. And even though, Absolutely. Even though I don't believe it yet, I was like, I'm just going to do it. And mm-hmm. I would like, I work at it and I continue doing it and continue pushing it. So um, that was definitely helped with the CFA. So I actually passed first time for the um, first level. And I look at that. (laughs) So pleased. pleased. So very happy about that. And that kind of gave me that, I guess, also confidence boost. And that also confidence boost in the sense of I really enjoyed what I was studying. And I really enjoyed the, the knowledge that it gave me. And it helped me. Um, understand yeah that area just a little bit more because I I think what I enjoy still is like learning a lot about things and reading is another thing I do enjoy so but um just going back to like that investment management so I think yeah after passing that exam I felt ready for the next step like moving closer into the actual industry And yeah, after two and a half years at that point, I started applying to different jobs in investment management. And actually the studies also helped me just to get a better understanding Mm -hmm. earlier, like analyst, quantitative researcher, like all these areas floating around. And now I actually could put some meat behind it and know what it is. So I could kind of place it in the actual company, which I think, I don't know if you feel the same, Esther, but sometimes finance is such a huge industry and you're like, what do they actually do? What does this role actually mean? And- Absolutely. And I think it's really important as well that, you know, you thought about doing something and you actually took the necessary steps 
into doing it rather than going, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just going to stick with what I know. And although I'm not, I don't feel like I'm bringing much impact to what I'm doing or to the world. I'm just going to stick with it. Yeah. Awesome. Such an important point that you made there. And I think it is quite um, daunting if you're changing because, I mean, that was my first job and it was going well, even like it was really going well, but it was kind of like making that leap when you feel comfortable is almost harder is when you don't feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to leave because yeah, as you said, it's this uncertainty of, is it going to be everything that I hope for, or is it going to be worse or better? And I think that's sometimes can be scary, but I think it's, um, yeah, if you really explore why you're doing it and finding the reasons that why it fits more to what you want to achieve or what you want to get to, I think then that's the right move. And I think what helped me there was really, I had a pro and con list and I had like a really detailed list that I worked on for several months to really flesh it out. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's really important. There's so many people who fall into roles. So there's a lot of people that you may speak to who have been 10 years into their career and you go, well, how did you come into this career? And they go, I just fell into it, right? So it's really important to be, you know, not saying it might not be the perfect thing for them to do, but it's really important to be intentional in how you move. The job market, it's crazy. It's insane. So even if what you do for the first two years or three years um, out of university isn't exactly what you think you should be doing you need to be courageous and just see what else is out there because some people just get really comfortable and you know just stick with it because they go you know what it's not the worst thing in the world but really thinking about where you can best add value what industry you can have the most impact um in and you know not everyone wants to have an impact or you know at the greatest Mm -hmm. value that's also fine this is for the people who do um so Sarah is a great example of taking that leap and as you said what you were doing you actually still liked it's not as if you hated it so it's really important to be really intentional when thinking about your life and your career because there's so many parts of yourself and sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves a little bit too much so always trying to break out of it a little Mm. see what else is there because we're yeah we're so many we're not just you're not just um Esther living in London, being in investment management, you're so much more. Yeah. I think by just exploring and being a little bit like, like taking that risk um, in certain aspects, I think is important to, to uncover those as well. I love that you talk about how we have different sides and usually the side that we know is the side that we've nurtured. So there's other sides of yeah. you that you may not have nurtured that are just waiting for you to explore. So just being courageous I would say and just stepping forward and exploring those things it's really important so why don't we go into you now being in investment management something I love that we've done in the past and I hope we keep doing is just working together to solve really difficult problems coming together it's like okay Esther what's your angle on this and I'm like Sarah what's Mm -hmm. your angle on this and just put in a response together we work on little projects every day 
is how we would describe it because every day is completely different right and it's sort of sometimes you know you have your calm days but then some days it's like the brain power you need to put into this thing is insane and I didn't know that thinking could make you so tired (laughs) (laughs) before I started working in this industry honestly oh it's crazy It's, it's sometimes more painful than going to the gym honestly <laughs> I would, maybe yeah. I'm just saying that to talk myself out of working out but <laughs> I've already thought like for an hour I don't need to get I don't need to work out yeah um yeah so so how are you finding that change now are you glad that you made that decision and I see you thriving in the industry Sarah <laughs> um so first off same for you. I mean, you're also like uh, uh, just successful at everything you do and charming and like just like really, really successful and also happy at what you do. So that is so nice to see on a daily basis. Um, so I can oh, just thank you. Uh, um, so, yeah, I'm, I actually am really happy about them. Yeah, we're in kind of the sales side of investment management so what that means is we would be the ones um talking to investors of different types right so or people who will kind of be the ones investing um and we would be the investment manager who is actually then managing their money um mm-hmm. in different like funds so different kind of groups of different types of investment very broadly speaking so we're the link between those two yeah, I think you have, um, yeah, obviously different types of people investing and you kind of interact with them on a daily basis and you um, kind of answer their questions. And I, I mentioned earlier, educate them about what the style of investing is that they're investing into and um, I think there are a lot of questions around those as you said on a daily basis Mm -hmm. what I love about it is trying to answer the question in a way that really resonates with them and I think that's a daily challenge and I think a challenge where you're never actually a master at because there's always new ways of people processing information so really early on that communication aspect was something that intrigued me a lot and coming back to actually my English degree I keep thinking especially now more and more that it's really helpful that I studied English literature now because communicating something well is something that you oh, do it's study so English. important <laughs> my goodness the the essays I've written sometimes I'm just I don't even know what my role is. Am I a writer? It's insane, right? But it's also, I I do love that dynamic aspect to it because one minute you might be analyzing funds, you know, what is in this? How are the companies doing? Next Mm. minute you're writing essays, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You have to be multi-talented almost, right? And you have to adapt quickly and as you say, dynamic, I think really hits the nail on the head because that's what it is. And that's also what I enjoyed straight away. Um, it was like, it was a bit overwhelming at first because it was different from my old job. That was like almost process driven of like, 
analyze this, present this, like it was very, you knew what to expect. And there wasn't like a question coming out of nowhere, like you need to find the information, but that's something I enjoyed. Um, and I think the other thing that um, is kind of was defining for me at the beginning is that <clears throat> the office environment changed for me quite a bit. So I was saying we had quite a small office as my, at my old job. So 15 people or so that were working in the office. And it was an international firm, so they had um, their headquarters in the U.S., but I mean, they had 200 people or 150 max. So I, I visited them once, but it was like, it felt like a small company feel to it, yeah. mm-hmm. everyone. whereas coming to like then the new firm, it was 50 or 60 people in the office. And especially in our team, as you know, we've got so many different people different types of people as well and I remember in the in the first couple of weeks when you also do your onboarding and learn new things and learn how the job actually works I was constantly overwhelmed like I sat there and I was like so much information coming at me at you and it's probably about 150 people in the office But, in, oh. but by the way, no, no, I'm like 50. I'm like, girl, what office are you working in? <laughs> um, I think, you know, like 50 in our team, right? That's probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The team. Yeah. But I was actually, yeah, you're completely right. <laughs> now, see, it was, that's what lockdown does to you. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I need to work with again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah, it's like. This information overflow was something I definitely needed to manage at first. And then once I got comfortable with it, I just thrive on that dynamic nature of it and new things every day. And as you mentioned earlier, projects, it's like you need to think and find solutions. And that's where the real enjoyment for me comes out of on a daily basis, really. As we get to the end of the podcast, I really enjoyed everything that you said I've really appreciated your vulnerability as well because you were just saying it how it is (laughs) being really open in you know how you felt at university moving to London how you felt really vulnerable being in the job market and you're thinking well (laughs) what have I done but Mm -hmm. and and then here you are now so hopefully this is an eye-opener especially for people who may live anywhere in the world actually um that's not a financial hub or a small town but they have this kind of urge to go and work in a financial industry I mean you've done it you're thriving you're loving it so I'm I'm sure that you're grateful for being that courageous person who has taken those steps forward thank you no I think that's it's so important and I think that there's like one theme I would say that has helped me is to stay on that path or like be comfortable. It's really always trying to connect with myself, I call it. So some call it integrity, some call it connecting with yourself. But I think it's always important to like go in a direction and then always pause and reflect and see if like, am I in this spot I want to be in? Am I enjoying what I'm doing? And even saying if I'm not enjoying it, like sitting with it and exploring it a bit more and not being scared of um, exploring that as well. And then making that maybe at the time seemingly risky move. But um, I think it always, at, at least for me, turned out 
to be such a great learning experience and has got me on like the path that I ultimately wanted to be on. So I think it's, um, yeah, just always connecting, connecting back, I would say. But then also surround yourself with people that lift you up and that show you more possibilities and that believe in you. I think that's been so important throughout everything that I did is having those people around me and yeah, being very selective as well. Nice. And honestly, just a big thank you to you, Sarah, because as you said that, I remember when I was thinking about starting the podcast, you were definitely one of the people who were like, you absolutely have to do this. Esther, no way. Yeah. You were like messaging me, like, how's it going? <laughs> I'm like, damn, maybe I should have mentioned Waiting everything for the to her. First episode. Yeah. No. Exactly. So it, it really does help, you know, having people who root for you and who support you so I 1000% um agree with you and looking forward to our next episode as well um yeah I'm just looking forward to it thank Thank you you very much Sarah thank you thank you for listening to the representing her podcast if you enjoyed this episode please leave a review subscribe and get in contact with any questions you might have Be sure to share with anyone who might find value in these conversations and follow us on Instagram to keep up to date with us. See you on the next episode. Bye.